head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. What is the tallest thing you would fall off of just for just to make the crowd go wild? <laughs> uh, I would one thousand percent jump off of. I would do. I would do the Shane jump, the Shane like old school Titantron jump into like a plush, nice little <laughs> pillow. It always like looked terrifying as a kid, but the older I got, I'm like, you know, that looks really fun. I want to try. <laughs> yeah, I would like to think I would do that, but I think like the second rope is my limit. Let's uh, let's get going. With this. Oh, come on, Dave. Come on. <laughs> let's, let's start the show. <laughs> What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mister Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle season one champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to You're listening to, listening to and you are listening to You're listening to You're listening, 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 listening to The Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. Kaz, it's just you Dave. and me, buddy. How you doing? What's going on? It's good. It's been a while since it's just been us two, which is fun. This is I nice. was about to send a text message out. I was like, do we want to get a guest on this week? And I was like, no, this is one of those days where you're like, I just kind of want to have, I just kind of want to have dinner with my wife. You know, <laughs> I don't want to announce, I don't want to announce, I don't want to invite a bunch of other people. You know, yeah, it's, you it's, know. It's, let's chill out today. So let's just um, let, hang on my chum, hang on my chum today. This is let's good. do it. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Blood and Guts was last night and it was, well, I mean, it was, it was really fun. Was I don't even know. I have a really hard time gauging my own interest in AEW. Like with WWE pay-per-views, I can be like, that was way better than I expected. Or like that really undershot what I expected. AEW sometimes I'm like, no, it feels like it's kind of right what I expected, but that's a that can be a really good thing. You know, my expectations for them are really high right now, but we're going to talk about that big ending. Um, we're going to talk about Daniel Bryan. I think we'll probably start off with that. We have a bunch of stuff we can talk about today. We're going to definitely talk about cool Kyle O'Reilly's terrible clothes. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, let's do that Daniel Bryan thing. So this is last big, Friday big on story. SmackDown, last Friday on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan basically lost a loser leaves town match to to Roman Reigns. And we talked about it on the show last week. We were just like, you know, basically trying to tease out what leaving town or what, you know, what leaving SmackDown could actually mean in terms of, you know, a storytelling device and everything else. The one thing that we didn't talk about and weirdly what nobody else was really talking about was that Daniel Bryan's, it turns out Daniel Bryan's contract is actually up. And it was actually up like 
right after the match. It was one of those like one of those serendipitous, or I guess that's probably why they had the match um, situations. And I think there was a little bit of a smokescreen because his last contract. You know, we people pay attention to these things online more than ever, obviously. And his last contract renewal came in a September. So even though he's been out there talking about a contract, a new contract for the past couple of months. Everybody was just, I guess, had impo- superimposed this notion of like that he's talking about September 2021. And then uh, yesterday, the day before, I think Sean Ross uh, Sapp put it out first that that he was actually out of contract. His contract had expired and Meltzer backed it up. And we got, I mean, we were, we just got done, you know, fantasy booking CM Punk to AEW and like all these other free agents. I mean, we talked about Samoa Joe a couple of weeks ago when he came up. He's, a, you know, health permitting. He's one of the biggest free agents in modern wrestling history. But now, Daniel Bryan's out there. Now, you know, I mean, you might know better than I do. The impression I get from people that know things is that it'd be really unlikely that he would ever leave WWE at this point and he, if he's in, if they're negotiating anything, it's about appearances and money and whatever else. But I mean, talk, we don't even have to talk about AEW. I could imagine a world where like Daniel Bryan goes back to Ring of Honor just for the hell of it, or like he just go he just wants to wrestle in Japan for six months and then he'll talk to WWE again. I don't know, man. What, yeah. what, what what went through your head when you heard this news? This is this is one of those things that makes uh, uh, you know other sports really interesting, right? Like free agency, movement, and you know just the mere existence of a optimal alternative right out there this is what makes like three or four or five years ago a russell's contract expiring that is not news at all like especially a guy that brian's caliber it's like either he just doesn't want to wrestle anymore and wants to do something else or he's going to take some time off or whatever now all this speculation is out there and if i was a betting man I would say that he would come back. I would say that from from what I've heard, I mean, he's obviously an integral per, uh, person to the show. So, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would think that, you know, what you're saying is right. Like, I think the only thing that's being negotiated is, you know, appearances and terms and, you know, being one of those big guys that could return to really, uh, you know, help shoot something up, which as far as uh, being a, a, a an attraction. But... What makes this interesting is that, like, I don't really know. I mean, like, at the, on the other hand of it, like, Daniel Bryan is this super wrestling purist, and he's been quoted about saying how much he enjoys the AEW product and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and, like, all these other guys. And he, he, well, a few weeks ago, we're talking about fantasy booking Samoa Joe and CM Punk, right? And for the biggest reason why we enjoy these guys is because those two, especially Punk, were one of the... I guess the, the the godfathers of my era of indie wrestling, right? Like this current era of like folks who popped off without the WWE's help. So as much as Daniel Bryan and Joe and Punk have been stars in WWE, big part of me wouldn't be surprised if he was like, you know what? I want to go uh, go to Japan and wrestle uh, uh, Kota Ibushi. I want to go and wrestle uh, Samoa Joe for a Ring of Honor reunion show, or I want to bring CM Punk out of retirement and put it on Triller. You know what I mean? Like, here's my thing. If If I had a Triller bag, right? If I had a Triller bag, why wouldn't you just cut a mean check for CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, 
on like one of these Jake Paul fights. Let Brian and Punk book it themselves <laughs> and just watch. Like if you really want to set the pro wrestling world on its ear, the, the odds of it are happening are just absolutely like nonsensical. I mean, like I'm, I'm just dreaming a dream scenario right now. But if I was a dude from Triller who has, who seemingly has to have a, 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 a bottomless pit of money to offer to, to the Tysons and the Jake Pauls and the Nate Robinsons of the world to fight for real. I'm sure you could get something close to that to tell the two biggest unsigned wrestlers on the planet and of probably the past 15 years to be like, hey, we're going to have have you two have a wrestling match that you could do whatever the hell you want. And, you know, you'll you'll split the proceeds. You know what I mean? Like you'll get real. You'll now t- that's some real like wrestling revolution shit. And uh, who knows, man? I, that's just again, I don't know anything. I don't think it'll probably happen, but how fun would that be? How fun would that be if, you know, that was something that was even feasible? You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I but was totally the, against this idea until you said you'll split the proceeds. Then I'm like, you're right. This could change. That could be a game changer. That's a I mean, game just changer. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine that. The fans get like changer. the match they wanted. Because as much as I love a, you know, what AEW is doing. They can't just take everybody that leaves WWE. You know, I say this every week. Like anytime somebody's a free agent or is is out there and everyone's like fantasy booking into AEW, I'm like, AEW seems pretty busy at the moment. Uh, so unless you're a Daniel Bryan, it's probably not the best idea to go over there and get lost in the shuffle. But what do you get lost in the shuffle? I mean, no, come I don't, on. That's the thing. I don't think Daniel Bryan would get lost in the shuffle, but I do pe- think people, you know, I'm 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 actually like referring to wrestlers of not of Brian's level that leave WWE, that leave certain companies and be like, oh, they should just go to AEW and it'll pop off and it'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not necessarily the biggest thing. But Daniel Bryan's big enough to, he'd, he'd be Kurt Angle to TNA level sort of acquisition if, if you know, he ever went to AEW. Yeah, I, I mean, think that like, the, only, the only way that he would get lost in the shuffle is if he got, if he decided to lose himself, right? It's kind of like what he was doing on SmackDown before this Roman Reigns run. If he decided he wanted to do more developmental backstage, building guys, you know, whatever, and anything in that category, yeah, he, he could be, he could drop down. I mean, listen, I know Invasion Angles are sort of over fantasy booked and stuff like that, and it doesn't even have to be an invasion per se, but it's impossible not to just imagine Brian Punk and Samoa Joe, like the founding fathers of Ring of Honor, just like showing up unannounced on AEW and just being like, yeah, we're going to show you how to run a company. Or we're going to show you, we're going to show you what wrestling is. You know, I mean, it would just, like it's, throw, throw Chris Hero in there too. I mean, it's just, there's too, there's too much. It's just. Damn, Chris Hero, that's another name. I mean, yo, listen, Double or Nothing and I guess All In have have proven to be in BAW's biggest uh Shows, right? Like that's where, you know, we, we saw Kenny John Moxley enter. We've seen a lot of uh, you know, stars kind of like make their big debuts there. I'm not gonna assume anything, but Samoa Joe's been awfully quiet. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh and I just can't get over those quotes. I mean, like Danny Bryan's been like very extremely complimentary. Not to say other art wrestlers have been complimentary of AEW, but like it kind of hits different because Brian has wrestled a lot of these guys and knows a lot of these guys, and he's a wrestling purist. And I'm sure there definitely is a world where the WWE were 
you know, wouldn't really like him to be a free agent. I'm sure they've offered him many things before this date came up, before this contract ran out, because I'm I'm just assuming they like to keep their guys under contract, especially people who just made events at their biggest shows. Again, it's crazy to me that he was out there doing interviews and stuff. I mean, I know that they, they don't always like stop people from doing it, but like. I mean, he could have been doing it on his own. That's another I know, thing. I know, like, I know, I know. But he did like after the first one, they didn't put a stop to it. I mean, it just seems so. I mean, I guess he's got a lot. He's got a long leash, you know. But and maybe they thought that would help with the negotiations. But he's out there like working out his demons in in real time in front of everybody, and he's really he's really like in the process of negotiating this contract. I yeah. mean, it's it's so crazy that WWE was just like, yeah, just go talk about what you really want. Maybe we'll, we'll write that into the contract when you're not looking, you know? I mean, it's <laughs> just so weird. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, it, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he's been really doing exactly what, any, what he would want to do on any number of levels on SmackDown the past six months. You know, he's bringing people up. He's also working at the top of the card when they need him. Um, he's invaluable to what they do. And I'm yeah. sure that the money is, can't be the issue, right? I mean, at this point, it's just got to be. I mean, he could also just want to go home and be a family man for a couple of months, right? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, listen, you get to a point in life where because of the family, money becomes even a bigger deal than it was, you know, when you're just like imagining vast sums of money in your 20s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's he's also made a lot of money and we don't know. I mean, I've, I've met Daniel Bryan a couple of times, but I don't know the guy. I would, but but I but if I was going to imagine, if you told me there's one member, one person on the WWE roster that has decided to forego material things and money for the sake <laughs> of following what he loves, it yeah. would be Daniel Bryan, right? Yeah. I mean, and and, and um, he's a different cat, man. For any of us to really speculate what's on his mind, we'd be doing just that, only and speculating. The one, the one thing he said recently in all these like interviews that he's done that really that keeps popping up in my mind is. It's crazy when people compare WWE matches to like matches in other companies or other countries because this is not a straight this is not a, a wrestling product. Yeah. And yeah. I, and it's just like but that's on your mind right now that that that, <laughs> that, that this company does not do the thing that you want to do purely. I mean it's I don't know. I don't know. I mean the, the, yeah, think about it. there's several there's several things to consider here. I mean there's also the fact that yeah, he was legitimately hurt for a long time. And he couldn't wrestle. Did he want to? I mean, like, you know, there was all those rumors back then, even before he he made his big uh, return, that when his contract ran out, he was going to go somewhere because WWE just wasn't going to let him wrestle. And he had to go and get those tests on his own done to prove to them, yes, I can wrestle. I am healthy enough to do this. Like, let me do this. And, you know, obviously it was good for it made good business sense to have him come back and be a competitor. And it's 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 done well. On the flip side, how much longer were we expecting him to do this after such a catastrophic sort of uh, injury? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like I could also just, I could also just see a world where Dana Bryan's like, "Yep, you know what? I'm good. I'm done." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like this is one of those rare uh, free agents where I just. You, I agree with you, and it's one of those rare people where anything could happen. Yeah. That last example you gave just stretches my disbelief a little bit because he's in a position where he could really just say, if anybody in the world could just say, I don't think I want to wrestle more than like four times a year, or maybe even just once a year. Maybe I'm just a WrestleMania guy at this point, 
and WWE would lock him up to a full time contract just to make sure that he didn't do do it for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And he could help. We could help with training and developing and creative and all that kind of stuff too. I mean, it's, that's that's what that's what gives me pause though, because it's like, well, I don't think uh, they wouldn't have approached him with that for a while. You know, like I feel mm-hmm. like they've been. I, I, if if we're putting two and two together and seeing that, I'm sure the people who are in charge of signing contracts and talent are trying their best to make sure the dude who just made evented WrestleMania isn't not locked under contract for the foreseeable future, right? I just also see a world with Dana Brown is just like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm sure he he wanted he he wanted that contract to run out. He wants to explore his options. Maybe he doesn't know what he wants to do right now. Um, but he just strike he he strikes me as two things. In a world where I don't see him like wrestling like as long as he wants to until like the day he dies, which is he's things he said before, um, it would have to be a health thing, which I don't think it is. And in the other world, it's like if there's any top dude in WWE that would leave to go and, you know, for the sanctity and the purity of pro wrestling, go kind of do their own thing. It would be American Dragon Brian Danielson. So I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is exciting stuff, though, man. Like this is what this is what makes the whole thing fun. This is what makes the existence of AEW fun. It's just like, what's gonna happen? It's like it's like NBA free agency. It's like, is LeBron gonna leave the Lakers? Like, what's gonna go when down? They, you know? When they did the brand split, they started the Fox on SmackDown show. They started doing the Fox Sports stuff, and this isn't the first time, but that's probably the most recent time where they did the draft where. I just begged them to figure out a way to make the free agent, I mean, you know, make free agency and drafting and all that kind of like front office drama into a real, into an ongoing storyline thing. I don't think anybody at the highest, you know, the highest, whatever, the, you know, the highest ranks of WWE maybe doesn't even follow the NBA and the NFL to the degree to be that obsessed with it, to understand even what the point is, but it's what people care about now. And the fact that the most, again, again, the most exciting thing in professional wrestling is Daniel Bryan's free agency and WWE can't find a way to monetize that is, is kind of damning in a certain way. You know, I mean that, 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 that this should, even if you give, even if there's kayfabe contracts, yeah. right? Give all your wrestlers kayfabe contracts. So like a year before, six months before their actual contract comes up, there's a you, you have to address the fact that they're out of contract on the screen, you know, on screen. Make it make it a thing. Yeah. You I, know? Mean, they, I mean, they've done it before. They've well, done it before like the, the big mixed, show. <laughs> the big show, yes. They've done it to, to mixed results. They've done it with CM Punk mm-hmm. and they've done it with like the big shows of the world. They've done it with... Yeah. Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley as well. Like, there's a mixed bag there where it's like, okay. If- well, I don't just mean people leaving. I mean, like, actually add a layer, like, have a third writing staff that just that just covers, like, people going from show to show because they're free agents, you know? Or, like, you know, having, man- having like, people negotiating contracts. I mean, it sounds boring, but it's what people care about, you know? Have, like, a... Have like a fake Woge for wrestling Twitter account that just like, like they should have Ryan stuff. Satin just like being the, yeah. the the kayfabe contract guy and just being like you know 
the WWE. And, and I feel like they did that for a while too. Like when the network first popped off, like they had like the satin sheet and it was when, when WWE backstage was on with punk and, and Renee, like they would like talk about these things and talk about contract extensions and people signing. Like when John Morrison, like came back, it was like a big, like news story, like on the show. And, and the, the blurring of the lines of, okay, what's a real contract and what could we use for the show? Could you know that's that's kind of what made it weird when Moxley showed up in AEW because the way WWE promoted it, I I could have sworn it was it was kayfabe. I was like, oh okay, yeah, like you know they just had this big whole shield thing. They're not just gonna let their biggest money making faction just split like that, right? Like of course again, and then boom, he just shows up at AEW. So I was like, oh fuck, this contract really was up. So yeah. I mean, I, who who the hell knows? And that's what makes this fun that's what makes this exciting but i would i would answer back to the to the the, the kayfabe woge uh angle that uh wwe should implement i could assume that probably doesn't make the best bargaining chip for the actual talent right like if the people who need to know know that your contract is up uh, you know, maybe you're not drawing as much interest from competitors, from impacts from AW. Like, you know, if it's if it's like, oh yeah, like if you're building up like cafe buzz about your impending free agency, and <laughs> Tony Khan comes up to you, he's like, oh wait, you're not really uh, a free agent. Shit, I was about to offer you three million dollars. You'd be like, wait, fuck, wait, don't go nowhere. <laughs> you know, so who 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 knows? Who knows? But uh. That's interesting though. That's interesting though. Like it's just it's it's a different it's a different world in like uh American pro wrestling right now because it's it's just a, a combination of things that we like, things that's interested, things that we're interested in and the talent has a lot of power again because there's op- those alternatives, there's options. So who well, knows? Who I mean, knows? no one's ever going to have the power. I mean, maybe this side of Chris Jericho, no one's ever going to have the power that Daniel Bryan has even if he stays. Because it's the same as what we've been talking about the whole time. If he's like, you know what, I'm just going to take a year off. Like no one, no one's going to call his bluff on that. They ever he like he, you believe him, you know. And and that's the 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 number one thing in any contract negotiation. Young humanoids out there, take note. If you say you're going to walk away, you actually got to be willing to walk away, you know. And if and if you can, and if you do, if you have the ability to walk away, if you have a little scratch saved up or you know, your partner's got a good job or, you know, whatever. Or you just don't care. You're a crazy mm. person. <laughs> you got a lot of negotiating power. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you're really willing I mean, they to just leave, put, leave. They just put his wife in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They He just main evented WrestleMania. I mean, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's got it really good at the WWE. So you're right. I don't know. The one thing they don't do, and I will say this, even if the contract thing's an non-starter, even if I'm a crazy person, an idiot for bringing it up, I will say that the Moxley thing was weird because we didn't really know what was happening. You're right, but then he left and he was gone, and they're and they're you know they basically they just say we don't we don't we're not going to give the, him any you know promotion now that he's gone from WWE. But I've been rewatching. I was rewatching actually a lot of the Montreal Screwjob stuff last night, just all different kinds of vi- all different kinds of tape. And I know that like Vince is not the number one heel in the company anymore, but man, there's so much. There's so much to be gained from Vince or somebody, Shane, Stephanie, Triple H, just coming out and saying like, yeah, I saw Daniel Bryan's contract demands and I decided to let him walk because he's just not worth it. 
and Ooh, you know, just take the heat, right? Yes. It's, it's take like, that this heat. Is, Hey, look, it's not, this, a isn't a, this, this, isn't a, this isn't a gimmick. We're really, he's really not worth the money he wanted. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, some billionaire down in Jacksonville will be willing to give it to him, but it's not going to be us. Man. We got shareholders to answer to. Shareholder, yeah, they make shareholders the heels. <laughs> Boo, the Nick, then the Nick Khan comes on the aisle and is like, that's right. It's all about the money. That's all about the money. Oh my God! What if Nick? What if Nick Khan is just the double agent here? What if this is a long con? The con, the, 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 the two cons the, are in it together. The long con from the Nick, cons. <laughs> Nick Khan comes in. And, Nick Khan comes in and and releases his old buddy Joe Samoa Joe and refuses to come to terms with you know help to you know to, to, to green light a Daniel Bryan contract and. What if Trevor Lawrence is the higher power and he like reveals his mess? He's like it was me. Me, Vince. That was me all along. I've controlled the con since I was in Clemson University <laughs> to bring down your empire. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. Yeah. I would love to see Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega. I would love yes. to see Daniel. I could, you, obviously, there's about 10 dream matches you could put down just talking about Japan and AEW. Oh, speaking of dream matches, I don't even know if this is on the board or not, but did you hear about. Uh, El Idolo, Andrade, calling out Kenny Omega. Yes. At AAA, talking about dream matches. Like, man, that is a match I really, really want to see. Um, but yeah, it's a perfect example of just because you leave WWE doesn't mean that the buzz is gone. Like, it could even just be. There's reheated. this thing. We're talking about Daniel Bryan, Andrade, Kenny Omega. Physically, they're. It's like they're all action figures from the same line. Like they're all just like a little bit short, broad shoulders, you know. Like and, and, um, really hard, like very yeah. But it's like they, yeah, there's just a lot of similarity, although their styles are very different. That makes me just like for some reason it just like brings out some childhood fantasy for me, where I'm just like, yes, I want to see those guys fight each other, like those specific dudes. Um, dude, yes, yeah. I mean, Andrade is another name is just he's just out there i mean he's like he, he, he could be a big deal it looks like they're gonna they're you know he's gonna be part of this new this new mexican promotion and and um you know that could be that could be an incredibly big deal even on an international scale um but we'll i guess we'll probably talk more about that as it comes but anyway yeah, yeah i mean daniel bryan's a free agent that's an enormous enormous thing even if he ends up resigning quietly with wwe before this podcast even comes out um i mean there's I mean, nobody, at this point, I mean, there's nobody that's listening to a podcast, that's doing a podcast. There's nobody of our wrestling generation broadly defined. There's for all of us, Daniel Bryan is like the most important wrestler of the past yeah. 20 years. I mean, he's, I think, the, he's the big bang. I didn't realize, you know, we spoke about it a few weeks ago when we went to go do Untold. You know, I did my, my episode of Untold on Nexus, and like it just really reminded me just how big and important a figure Dan O'Brien is to like this century of professional wrestling. He's like the set, like if there's, if wrestling is one like linear story being told throughout multiple promotions, he's like one of the first characters created. He's like Goku. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's like the story's told through his lens, just as far as like independence, um, you know, reaching the top, you know, touching every single part of like the pro wrestling, you know, uh, uh, smorgasbord or solar system like mm -hmm. he touches every single part of it like he is from the primordial ooze of nexus grew nxt which grew developmental which grew 
you know, the popularity of independent wrestlers, which grew, you know, the, one of the most incredible WrestleMania runs, which grew uh, one of the most heartbreaking retirements, which grew like all these things. He's like, he's, he's tied to it all. So wherever he goes, whatever happens with his, his career is going to be of massive importance to the world of professional wrestling, whatever he, whatever he decides to do. This episode is brought to you by eBay motors, passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, we got to roll on. Um, nothing else is going to be that exciting. Not even Chris Jericho flying off the... <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Last night, Blood and Guts, Blood and Guts was, a, was a, just a, a really, really fun card. It's fun show. Fun show, definitely. SEU won. That was exciting. Cody Rhodes, well, at least he bled really well in that match in a very creative way. Um, looks like Britt Baker just set herself up for a women's championship match at, mm-hmm. at a double or nothing, which is incredible. Moxley and Kingston over Omega and, and Michael Nak- uh, Nakazawa. There's a lot of cool stuff, but the thing that everybody's talking about is the blood and guts match, the, the cage match between the pinnacle and the inner circle, which was a just a really cool match. It was full war game style, two rings, the cage, the, you know, I didn't mind them just kind of like ripping off war, war games. And, and I mean, I think it should be public domain or any, anything like that. Totally. Any, but any did, wrestling match style. Yeah, should be public domain. <laughs> but I, but at some, but at some point I'm just tired of hearing, not just renaming it a blood and guts match, but every single aspect of it was just like, and now comes the the gutsy portion of the match where the where the where before the blood takes effect. Like it's all like, come on, just like just have just the match. Free, just have the just, match. Just have the match and tell us it's gonna like no one's gonna come in for five minutes. Now listen. Well, I mean, I thought if I if I remember correctly, wasn't blood and guts just like a big like you know thumb in the nose at WWE when they were talking about like oh we're not gonna be a promotion that's all about blood and guts and blah 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 and you know they named the show after yes. it. Yes. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no. No. I, I love it. I love it. Call it a blood and guts match. But there's all the little intricate. Anyway, it's a it's a minor quibble. Another minor mm. quibble. Don't have commercials during your main event match. Like I know it's a TV show. I know they don't get to make those decisions. But that's a kind of that's a sort of you know watching the Chris Jericho slowly crawl up that ladder, wait the slowly crawling up the ladder up the cell, and like hyping the crowd. As you can tell, he's waiting for the cue to like come back from commercial break and finish the climb on the top. Like again, super duper minor quibble because the match itself was awesome, but like. It was such a drag where it's like, okay, here clearly comes the finish because on that picture in picture, the whole point of picture in pictures is so you don't miss a minute of the action. So I'm not, so even if I'm just like passively 
paying attention to the match. Now I'm even more locked into the match because here's this commercial I don't care about. So I'm just watching what's happening with no sound and just watching Jericho just like, <laughs> like spam the taunt button, spam R2. <laughs> like running up the cell. Yes, that's I'm exactly like, right. I'm like, okay, all right. I guess the big finish is coming, so don't go nowhere. I feel like we're we're getting to the big finish, and the big finish is is, is what it is. But before we get there, I just want to take a few minutes to say this match was freaking great. I mean, it was just so like good. every bit of so it was well, it was perfectly conceived. Every it was so smart. It was the every wrestler looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like Sean Spears 20 times better than I did going into the match. I am you know, I, I love the uh, the inner circles like uh, jail onesies or whatever those things. <laughs> Wait, what are they? <laughs> jail onesies. <laughs> yes, I guess they uh, are jail onesies. The the penitentiary PJs or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, Santana and Ortiz with the face paint just looked like so sick. Like I I loved it so much. Like Sammy Guevara, I like I now I'm all like this is last night was the moment where. I became convinced that he will be a major babyface, like superstar in the future. I've heard oh, people yeah. say it nine million times. Was never quite there. I no, was like, I'm, he's he's got too punchable of a face for me to see that. But now I see it. Now I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That little coast to coast that he did. The Spanish. Oh my God! That Spanish fly where they were, where he and Spears were like in the middle of the ropes between the rings, and he got hit, and Spears got hit in the back and. I mean, what kind of timing? And then after that, Guevara missed the what the little springboard thing, but it didn't matter. Like it was like that not mattering might have been the biggest thing. I don't know. It was a great match. Um and Wardlow looked great too. War, I mean, Wardlow's another one where it's just like everyone's like, he's gonna be a big star. And I'm just sort of like, meh. But like he after last night, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dispute it. Um my problem, you know, my problem with Wardlow, Wardlow, and I always talk about size and body types and this, and this really doesn't. It's not a thing I think about day to day, but I do. I at some point I'm like you get exhausted from about all the like big the quote unquote big guys in AEW, where it's just like, and then it's like they have all these giants, and then John Moxley walks in, he's taller than all of them. You know, it's like you either have to have like a a company wide rule that you're not going to hire any any WWE guys who are over five eight, or <laughs> or you got to quit calling your five your your six one guys giants. It's just that you got to pick one or the other. You know. It's, <laughs> but anyway, Wardlow's a star. I'm not even going to mess around. He's incredible. Um, but the ending. Okay, so the ending, they're at the top. You, okay, so there's a lot of conceptual stuff that goes into this. But basically, you have to, like, it wasn't really clear, but sort of like you have to submit. You have to give up, right, to, 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 to lose the match. So MJF and Jericho are on the top of the ring. MJF is like hitting them with the with the diamond ring and whatever. And it's a whole, it's a bloody, everybody's all bloodied up. And it, it's a really cool spot. And setting aside the fact for a moment that the whole point of the match is that you're trapped inside a cage and now these two guys are like on top of, they're no longer trapped inside the cage, but they get up to the top and MJF basically just like looks down at the hard concrete floor as Tony Schiavone keeps pointing out the concrete floor and, and, and threatens to throw Jericho off, (laughs) forcing the rest of the inner circle to give up. And then uh, they do give up the pinnacle wins a match. And then, of course, MJF pushes Jericho off anyway. No, that dastardly devil. My gosh. And he pushes him right into a part of the, you know, concrete floor that's actually a, a 
a, a, a bounce castle with some it's cardboard like, over top of it. Uh, <laughs> That's what it felt like. So it, it was it was great. I mean, MJF milked the hell out of it, which was he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do. But I did. I do think people were being a little harsh online. No, I don't about think, maybe, the reaction. Maybe they were. Maybe I wasn't looking online fast enough. When I by the time I got online and started looking around, ninety nine percent of the commentary were people complaining about the reaction to the to the spot yeah saying and making the case that everybody was complaining too much about the spot but i didn't really see that many people complaining about the spot what i saw was people complaining about the fact that it looked fake and that they could have shot it better you know i mean it were, yeah. or, or zoom the fuck out zoom the fuck out production yeah, zoom, zoom out get, get an overhead out. shot or yeah, make it make them fall like, off screen or 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 cut to black and just be like listen folks we're not going to show this it's too it's like, graphic oh you know, my something. gosh just terrible what a what an incredibly horrific scene we can't even show you what this was tnt is gonna get us off the air like incredible what the hell like you know like that's that's what you do i mean they sold it it looked it's an incredible visual but it's like the zoom when, when you're zooming in on jericho afterwards it doesn't even look Hurt. He looks like he's in a looks like he's in a bouncy ball pit, like just like chilling. <laughs> it's like, my God, he might have broke his back. I'm like, really? He looks quite comfortable. He looks quite cozy. What right I now. kept seeing online was people saying, "Listen, you were mad when Matt Hardy really did concuss himself and knock Bingo. the brains out of his head on the concrete floor, and now you're mad that they that that they actually did a safe bump." Bingo. They're like, they, like, what do you would you want want Jericho to get hurt? No, nobody wants Jericho to get hurt. First of all, well, listen. I don't think it needed to be more dangerous than it was, but it's it is natural for fan. I mean, you should be expecting fans to say Shane McMahon is the same age as Chris Jericho and just did a back bump off the top of a taller steel cage into Oof. the ring a couple weeks ago, right? Straight like flat, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like that. Like it's okay. It's. I mean, it, it, you might say like, well, that's ridiculous, and nobody should be held to that standard. Okay, that's fine. But as the creative, as the promoter, you should be expecting people to make that comparison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and and if you know, I mean, there's definitely a case where it's like, if you can't, it's fine if you want to have your guy jump into a ball pit. But if that's the best you can do, and there's no tech, like technical way to make it look better. Mm. Then maybe having your fifty-something wrestler fall into a ball pit's not the ending you want to go for in the match, maybe right? Not. You got your ending. It's a, it was a bonus ending, really. Yeah. But I think that the solution is really simple. I mean, they could have made it look better. I mean, they just could have made. Listen, if the underside of that fake metal floor was not wood or cardboard or whatever it was, if it was black, if it was silver, that would have gone a long way. Also, if you would just put like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people online making good technical suggestions. If the stuff wasn't laying right on top of the crash pad, it would have looked a lot better. If you put a little, a six inches so the flooring falls in, you know, yeah. before he hits the crash pad, that would have looked a lot better. It, it's a kind of, and everyone's like, WWE does this stuff all the time. It's like, WWE stuff actually looks better. Even when, better. like, when Braun Strowman jumps five feet onto a crash pad, it looks better. You know, they just have, like, they have the experience to know, like, oh, just, like, throw some some coaxial cables up in the air when he falls and it just looks more real. Like it just like, it just, it's silly. These are, these are the things that when you talk about, when you hear like wrestler, wrestlers interviewing, like, man, like the, it really shout out to the guys that don't get the, you know, the attention about, you know, the people in the back, the production, like this is exactly what they're talking about because you don't notice it until you notice it. Right. Like you don't notice like those, you know, 
Apollo's Apollo Creed Cruz's whole heel turn is based off him dropping giant steel steps on Big E. He didn't really drop steps on Big E, but production made it look like he really dropped steps on Big E. Like the big ending for Shane McMahon was having him get tossed off of, you know, again, I tend to lend. Uh, uh, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he's a great follow. He just started a, uh, a podcast with uh, Mike Madsen, uh, my guy, Mike Mansuri, Mark Madsen, my fault. Mike Mansuri, who was uh, one of the the big dogs at WWE when I was over there, one of the heads of production, like one of the Hunter's right-hand man. He's got a great podcast out. And the first thing he said was, and I agree with him completely. The first thing he tweeted right after the main event was uh, those guys work their ass off only for production to, you know, make them look silly. And what is this reminiscent of? It's reminiscent of exploding barbed wire death match with Kenny Omega and John Moxley a few months ago where they have a banger of a match and then the, it's completely swept under the rug and ruined because production isn't, it isn't top of the line. It's not top quality. It's not what WWE would do. And I'm not saying everybody should do what WWE does, but there's a re- they've been doing this forever for a reason. Like they know how to pull these stunts off and to make it look crazy. And there's a reason why they show Mick Foley getting tossed off of a cell a million times because it happened one time only and they figured out safer ways to do it ever since then that still look impactful, that still look great because they've learned from their mistakes. So I assume AEW and their production team are going to figure out ways to not have this be an issue because it's starting to become one. If there was one lesson that you could have learned from the exploding barbed wire death match, the simplest, the simplest solution was that they should have had a cut video, the cut video button ready to push, right? Like, push the button and you can come back from it and recover somehow. Right. And that, and it makes sense, right? It's just like it exploded so much. It cut the video or whatever. My, my biggest qualm is that that would have worked here too. Like don't show it until it's happened. Right. Just be like, no, we're not going to show that angle. That could be, that is terrifying. Like we're not going to air this live. We might get take, we might never get to be on TV again. If we show you this, and then you show a considered black and white thing. That's a great use of Tony Khan right there, where you could have him come out and be like, it was my choice not to show that. I know we promised you blood and guts, but I mean, we we just got this new contract with Turner Network Television that if we showed you the gruesomeness of what happened to Chris Jericho, my goodness, you know, we're trying to get promoted during the NBA finals and the NBA playoffs. They would never show us on the air again. God damn it, Pinnacle. You've gone too far. We hate you. And now you've made some ultra, ultra, ultra heels because of, and you've kept Jericho safe and you've made it look badass. And you don't have people looking at you like, oh, wow, that's just Here's it's the thing. kind of a letdown. Here, yeah. Well, this is a minor thing, but. Well, I'm going to compare it to the Shane WrestleMania bump just in terms of this. Everybody thought, everybody expects Shane McMahon to fall off a cage through a table at this point or to fall off the the Titan Tron or like whatever and like go through a thing and whatever else. And what they did, what that bump that he took at WrestleMania, just the, just the flip back bump off the top of the steel cage, that was the equivalent of when you're watching the dunk contest and there's all these people doing under the legs and behind the back or whatever and somebody's just like, no, I'm just going to do the free throw line dunk again and just do it. You know, it's <laughs> like... do it really hard. It's old really- school. It's old school. It's simple. And you watch it, you're just like, 
I feel like I shouldn't be popping for this, but I'm out of my chair. You mm-hmm. know, it's like there's, it's like, and it was just simplicity and impressiveness in a very like traditional way. Yeah. Now, AEW has the ability to go even further in that direction. I'm not saying they should have done that bump. I'm saying AEW has kind of trained me when I watch their show to believe that somebody getting repeatedly hit with a steel chair is the worst thing that can happen to them. It's mm-hmm. old school. It's true, right? Yeah. Like just I take mean, like they- like you can punch somebody with the with the with the ring. MJF could punch him with the ring 20 times. That's a bigger deal than taking a back bump off the top of a cage. You know, sure. like ma- like keep it old school and that's sure. it's fine. Um, and it's actually legitimate. It's funny because we're having this conversation and at one point while I was watching the match, I had this, I had this, this moment, this pang where I said, they gave us this too soon. Like they they basically set up the inner circle and pinnacle thing, what, two weeks ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now we're, now we got like a, now we got a war games match. Like this should have been a six month build. And I, I had that feeling and then I put it away. And cause now I bring it back out as a compliment. I don't have a moment. Um, I honestly don't have any question at all about whether or not AEW is booking this feud correctly because I trust them implicitly to do yeah. it right. Yeah. And I know that whatever we have at Double or Nothing, that when these guys come back around and fight each other again, Jericho will take some time off. He'll come back as a super baby. Whatever they do, they're doing it right. You know. So I just want to say, for the record, the match was incredible. Match was so sick until Mm -hmm. that last bump, which is sort of silly, and we can complain about it, whatever. But it's another silly moment in wrestling history. We'll forget about it. And but that's the thing: you don't want to forget about it. Like these are the like if you if you want to have these moments that you can replay in your AEW wrestling packages and all this type of stuff. Like you want to be able to to have an exploding death match in your package. You want to be able to have Chris Jericho getting tossed into oblivion and not conjure up memories of like, oh, that looked cool, but we remember how silly it really was in the long run because everyone forgot about it. You're supposed to take advantage of these big spots. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of these things. You're supposed to One make these cl- moments. And I totally agree because at yeah. WWE, I always say when something's bad, I always say, but it'll look good in the video package. You know, it'll look yes. it'll look good when we look back at it. But But the one thing, one other note, this is actually a thing where cinematic matches have got us have have, have changed our expectations. Too. Spoil those, Loki. Because if you're gonna do, because <laughs> if you're gonna do fake, it's no longer okay to be like, "Well, you get the point, right?" <laughs> oh, oh, well, he, you get the point. Wrestling's fake. He didn't. He's not really gonna die. But the idea in storytelling terms is that he fell from this great height because this guy hates him so much and not, whatever. It's like, okay, but if you're if if it's if it's fake, if we're just going with the well, you get the point. It's fake argument. Mm-hmm. Pre-tape it. Make his fucking head explode. Like right <laughs> when he hits it. Like seriously. Even if you're not yeah. gonna, if you're not gonna pre-tape it, why not have like a freaking blood pack? It like a giant blood pack underneath the flooring, so that when he hits, it just squirts everywhere. Like why not? Like why not have blood coming out? Like have a blood pack in his mouth, so he spits have it like out a when ch- he hits the chalk ground. Outline, the yeah, chalk outline like, with like, like a blood make it, if, you're, if, 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 if the argument is like, well, it's fake anyway, then make it awesome. Like oh, make yeah. it awesome. <laughs> That's the thing. We don't. Uh, <laughs> wrestling fans are so fickle, man. Like I see, I love shit like that. Like I love a good over-the-top sort of wrestling shtick, right? And I feel like you still only scratch the surface on how over-the-top we can get because, you know, it's we want the live experience. 
I loved the pre-tape wrestling match era. I loved the the cinematic film era because it got us one last great match with The Undertaker out of it, mm-hmm. right? And we Sting. To, Sting, and, too. And Sting and fucking Sting. We got John Cena. Like We got like a low-key proper goodbye to like, you know, every WrestleMania, every uh, weekend, Monday Night Raw era of John Cena. Like, we've gotten some cool stuff where you can legitimately kill people off. And people are like, you get it though, right? <laughs> you know? So um, if this was the way to write Jericho off for the time being, which I'm assuming it will be, um, cinematic matches are, are yeah, yeah. They they've kind of they've kind of put us in a in a situation where fuck, I know this could have been better, but you're not gonna be a stickler because the dude is safe. He is 50 years old, you know. We get it. It's a show. We really don't want Jericho to fall 40 feet off the ground into concrete. No, we just I mean, listen, see a good show. listen, not for nothing. This is just, it's just, it's parsley on top of the food. It's like, the, it doesn't take away from how great the match is. Not, it's just that, yes, that's no, what you want to take like, We know over. wrestling's fake. We still talk about work punches, like working punches, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, yes, I know that he's not really punching him in the face, but I don't want to see him like, like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to see Roman Reigns doing like Orange Cassidy shtick. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, there's yeah. like that. There's a time and place. You know, you want it to look real. Yeah. And you know, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. It was a fantastic show, and fantastic I fantastic show. And I and I hate that we have to quibble about these endings over and over again. But it was. I mean, listen. Just even, nail one. Just even, nail one at the even end of the with day. that ending. That was. It was really good. I now, really, I, I really the, liked it. I mean, now I'm just at the point where it's like, well. If AEW is going to announce a match that's going to be like, oh my God, it's going to be the bloodiest, goriest, ramporiest uh, match of all time. And I'm just like, there's a good chance they're going to fuck it up. <laughs> there's a good yeah. chance they're going to fuck it up at the end. If, you, if, if I had to choose between them fucking up like cinematic endings to pay-per-views and then fucking up like like basic storytelling long-term storytelling i would i would i'm happy to let them mess up those endings it's a happy it's a happy trade-off right because yeah. at the end of the day they're safe you get the idea you get the gist and we're just being nitpicky wrestling fans that want everything to all be right. awesome all the time great segue time to be a nitpicky wrestling fan yes. the one other thing i had that i definitely want to talk about this week was what do you know Oh yes, man. Uh, this is cool, Kyle. Cool, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle awful. Oh, Kyle Jesus. Fit. Take it. Take it. Go. I'll go easy on it. All right. First of all, the point is that Kyle O'Reilly looked like a total freaking dweeb on NXT. <laughs> long, long ago, I remember an interview with Chris Carter, the guy that created the X Files. You remember Chris Carter? He had some other shows yes. too. Remember the X Files? Uh, he was they was doing an interview probably when the first movie came out or something but he was talking about like with the things that he learned when he was doing the show and he was like well the thing is we always conceive Mulder to be the kind of guy that buys his suits off the rack at the department store but we realized to make a guy on TV look like he buys a rack off uh, his suits off the rack at the department store you have to put him in tailored Armani because it when you when you put a guy in just like a made i mean it just like a, a off the rack suit he looks like a hobo he looks like a kid playing a hobo for halloween it just looks different on tv right and so if you the lesson here is this if you want to look like a hipster who just rolled out of bed as your wrestling gimmick i'm not sure if i'm if i agree with that but that's fine 
but don't actually just wear your own clothes and your miniature fedora to the ring. Let somebody pick out the clothes for you. I, here's another great story. Years ago at the ringer.com, we had a, uh, a Game of Thrones after show, like the very beginning of it, you know? Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Ryan, Andy Greenwald were the hosts. And I remember clearly I walked in as they were taping the pilot. I don't even know if it was the one they made to air. And Chris and Andy both walk in and like t-shirts with like flannels or like check button downs on top and like, you know, khakis or jeans or whatever. Just like very like regular, like 40 year old L.A. hipster attire, not hipster even, but, you know, whatever. And. And they walked in in those clothes and then the, 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 you've probably had the same experience. And then like the wardrobe people took them out of those clothes and put them into nicer versions of those clothes. Right. They looked like they looked exactly the same. They just looked like they like had like a steamer on the clothes, you know, whatever. And maybe they were more expensive or like a yeah. little bit more color coordinated. That's what Kyle O'Reilly needs. All right. I'm not sure how the gimmick works. I'm not sure I'm all there, but I'm not even going to complain about that. I'm I just like, don't wear the clothes that you're like Instagramming in 30 minutes before the show. And just for the love of God, for the love of God, just get rid of the little milady fedora. <laughs> wear something, wear some like, wear some like Pharrell shit. Wear some stuff with some actual personality to it and not something that, listen, you sell your gimmicks at Hot Topic. You don't buy your gimmicks at Hot Topic when you're a professional wrestler. <laughs> Oh my god. I blame the drip era of professional wrestling. <laughs> the Seth the Rollins drip, drip era? I, I blame the Seth Rollins drip era. I blame the Young Bucks wearing fake Dior ones. I blame Chris Statlander wearing $28 Air Mag knockoffs. I blame everything because it's exposed a long, a long, you know, known thing that I've known for quite a while, as long as I've been a wrestling fan, especially as an adult, is that wrestlers, by and large, cannot dress for shit. <laughs> they are just oh my notoriously God. just like, hard. I always, I always fits. think back. I always think back when when uh, Benoit Malenko were were inducted in the Four Horsemen, and they came out in like wrinkled, collarless, <laughs> like like pirate pirate shirts with vests. And I was like, what the hell? Is that? Like, yes, you got to have stylists on this stuff. Not yeah, everybody is born Ric Flair with this like impeccable sense of smile style. Not even Ric Flair style, right? Because like once it's the gimmick, it's like okay. We're going to have like a room full of people or at least a handful of people or at least somebody who really knows what they're doing when it comes to getting this, this fit off. Right. But it's, it's gotten to a point where, you know, wrestlers are, are just by and large, just such awful dressers that like they can't even pull off the simple stuff. So when they have like just a simple fit upgrade, it's like, oh, okay, he was killing that. Like low key, Dave Batista used to get fits off. As a wrestler, right? like he used to come in with like cream colored sweaters, turtlenecks, you know what I mean? Had Tim boots and stuff like that. And like it's aged quite well. Like you go back and watch those Smackdowns when he was world heavyweight champion. I was like, damn, Batista, like he was getting these fits off. And again, I'm not going to complain because I come from the era where all wrestlers wore, especially in WWE, was WWE shop t-shirts. And I'm glad that we're slowly but surely moving away from that era of like, oh, the only thing this guy has in his wardrobe. It's not just Zubas and fanny packs and, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, Ribera like, jackets and stuff. I guess that's the pinnacle of wrestling style. I shouldn't make any comments. Listen, Rizarre. here's the thing. Somebody said this on Reddit and I'm, I I should have made reference to who it was. But it, it just, I wasn't going to say it. It just stuck with me. I forever have said, I mean, dating back 
what, five, eight, ten years? I don't even know how long. It's the first time I saw Kyle O'Reilly wrestle in Ring of Honor. I said, WWE, I know you don't appreciate Daniel Bryan. And I I know they like to make their own. I said, sign Kyle O'Reilly and make him your own Daniel Bryan because he can be that guy. He's got the plucky underdog thing. He's a little bit more of a literal baby face. You can make him the guy that you're refusing to let Daniel Bryan be. This is before, obviously, he had his big push, but the beginning of the sort of yes movement. And there's a lot of that there. You know, I think that he can still get a lot of, I think he still has the potential to have that kind of charisma, if not to the degree, like the, the same brand of charisma that Daniel Bryan has. But looking at him on, on NXT this week, I'm just afraid that Vince McMahon is going to look at him and say, yeah, he's the nerd that I thought Daniel Bryan was all these years. We can't push that guy. We can't push this geek. It's like, it's crazy because it's like, yeah, like we all think Daniel Bryan's this nerd, but quiet is kept. Like he's a counterculture legitimately mainstream star. Like he got yes over in the mainstream. He's married to a fucking superstar in one half of the Bella Twins. It's like, what's really nerdy about that guy? You know, he's just, what, because he likes plants and he wants to save the world? Like, whatever. No. That dude, Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, save the save the easy E-shirt. The easy E-shirt was fly. But save the rest of that. It's like, just... I like a lot of what was going on. I just think the wow. total package was... <laughs> anyway, I think the important lesson here to bring it full circle is what you just said. Um, Daniel Bryan is is a god. And yeah. uh, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> I hope he stays with WWE because I still think there's a lot of good to be done there. But I'm excited to see what happens with that guy. We got to get, I got to get out of here. I got an exterminator in my yard. Let's let's wrap it up. But I love Kyle O'Reilly to death. I love MJF. I love all that. That pinnacle inner circle match is fantastic. We're just complaining because we're wrestling fans. This is a big <laughs> complaint week. Um, and Daniel Bryan, we love you too. Kaz, you want to get some plugs in on the way out? Yeah, man. Check out Say Less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie every Monday, wherever you stream podcasts, and on youtube.com slash Kazim. Uh, check me out on MSGPM uh, after the New York Knicks. And uh, I think that's all, buddy. I think that's all. All right. Thank you for doing this. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thank you uh, to our babyface uh, production assistant, John. And, uh, Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on The Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Mass Man Show. 